Let's pray. Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, uh, today, and I'm guessing that folks are probably more aware that next Wednesday is Valentine's Day than Ash Wednesday. And probably today you didn't wake up going, wow, it's going to be a great transfiguration day. But whether you're a football fan or not, right, we probably knew, hey, Super Bowl Sunday is what today is. And thinking about that, um, how many of you are, are you going to watch the game or maybe even get together with some folks and watch it, right? And everyone's maybe got a different kind of feel for it or desire for it. I really like football, so I want to watch the game. You know, it could have been even a less much lever game. I want to hear what's going on. I want to see the plays, all that. That's not everyone's thing. Um, I do like getting together with people, but I like to watch that game. And I have to admit, I'm hoping that those commercials are pretty entertaining every year, right? Um, some of the younger friends who come to some of the gatherings I've been at have said, I'm missing the boat. You know what the really big thing on Super Bowl Sunday is? For them, it's the treats. Said, oh, the treats are good. They're very good. And, you know, and that's, you know, I'm not sure what's on the menu for you today, but that's true. But a lot of times, the Super Bowl parties I've been a part of, and the treats are good. They're, they're very good. I don't know how they'd stack up on the USDA nutrition pyramid. Um, and that way, they're good. They're very good. But they're probably not enough to sustain you for what you need for the long haul. Fair enough? And I love this transfiguration story and confession. Every time I read that, I'm thinking, Lord, I'm sure I'm not fully understanding all that's going on here. And the story is good. In fact, it's very good. But I'd also say for Peter, James, and John, and for us, at the end of the story, we maybe need a little something more. I'll get more into that. Um, When we are in uh, the Gospel of Mark, and Lent comes a little earlier this year, so we didn't go through as many epiphany stories, but epiphany is a fancy word that means to be revealed or made known, okay? So all these stories... Christ is being revealed or made known to the world. Uh, you see the picture there when Jesus was baptized, right? And God said, you are uh, my, my son, my beloved. With you, I'm well pleased. And as Jesus teaches with authority and heals people, whether in Jewish communities or Gentile communities, um, even at times the demons realize, wow, this is the Son of God. And the irony is, as the disciples are hoping for this one who is to come, and the world is, The disciples, is kind of the punchline in Mark's gospel, don't get the messianic secret. That is, they're kind of the slowest to catch on that this Jesus is the one you've been waiting for. This Jesus is the Messiah, okay? And so if you can uh, picture, as we're going through the beginning of Mark's gospel, and we get to chapter 8, and in chapter 8, Jesus goes ahead and asks the question, who do you say that I am? And as he asks that question, Peter gets an A in class that day. Peter says, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. But then Jesus goes on and talks a little bit about what it means to be the Messiah. And he includes that it means that he's going to have to suffer. And he's going to have to die. And understand, when you hear something terrible could happen to a friend of yours, you don't want it to happen, right? And Peter says, no, we'll have none of that. Right? And I don't think he was even able to hear Jesus say not only that he was going to die, but I don't think he could hear Jesus say, and I will rise again. It's just too much for any of us to fathom. 
So after he teaches on the Messiah, and that includes going through suffering and death, he also continues in saying, hey, for those who are my disciples, it's a different way of life. But life is found when you give your life, you give yourself for other people. And he talks some about, some will get to see his glory. And after that's done, he doesn't say this to the whole crowd, but he says it to three people, Peter, James, and John. He says, follow me and come up with me to the mountain. And I would love to kind of picture the expressions on the disciples' face. Because maybe they don't have it all figured out yet that Jesus is the Messiah. But these aren't dummies. And they know uh, the Old Testament stories. And they know if you're going to the mountain, cool, big stuff happens on the mountain. Okay? Right? Um, And so I'm thinking they're probably going, yeah, with some nervousness, but with some excitement. The mountain is where the glory of God is made known. Right? Lives are changed on the mountain. Big things happen on the mountain. I don't know what your uh, rhythm and routine is after worship each week, but as a kid, um, I'd, we'd drive home from Redeemer Lutheran Church, a church out in the country between uh, Henderson and Belle Plaine and Lesseur. And in that area, as we'd be driving back home, um, and this is, you know, 40-some years ago, right? We didn't go out to eat very often. Right? There's not fast food in Henderson, by the way, uh, that too. But as we're driving home, we would on, ride back on Highway 19, and we would cross over 169. And once in a while, and us kids, the three of us would be so excited looking up in the front seat, there was some nonverbal communication that was going on. You know, and thinking, could it be? Could this be? We're going to go out to eat? And if that left turn signal went on, meaning that we we're going to go on 169 South, guess what? You know what that meant? We're going to Dairy Queen. <laughs> and I can't express the elation, but I think it might have been kind of like the disciples going up to the mountain. All right? We were going to Dairy Queen. We didn't know what we were going to get, but we were pretty sure it was going to be good. So if you can kind of think of that mindset with these disciples, they're going up the mountain, right? They don't know all that they're going to experience. But from what they know, and they know a lot of different stories, it's going to be good, even if they're not sure exactly what it's going to be. But the bar is pretty high, okay? And so as they're going to head up the the mountain, they remember stories, and there's a lot of them, but I'll just share a couple of them with you. One is they remember the story of Moses, right? God chose Moses to lead the Israelites out of slavery, and then they went to a mount called Mount Sinai. And there at Mount Sinai, there you see with the fire and the smoke, God's presence was there And God encountered Moses right there at Mount Sinai and made the promise to the people, I'm going to be your God, you're going to be my people. And maybe it's felt like a long time, but finally Moses came down from the mountain with those two tablets, right, with the Ten Commandments on them. You remember that story, right? So that's in their thoughts. Another story they would know about is the story um, about Elijah. Elijah may be the most well-known prophet uh, in the Old Testament. And if you remember another mount called Mount Carmel, and there on that mountain, there was a time where the Israelites had kind of maybe grew a little lukewarm in their faith, and the prophets of Baal were having an influence, and people were maybe kind of weren't sure who to worship. And so Elijah pretty much challenged the prophets of Baal, all 450 of them, to a showdown and said, let's have the people quit limping one way or the other, but let's have them see who the true God is. So he said, here's how it's going to go. We're each going to have our sacrifice in our altar, and we're going to pray, and whoever's God can light that sacrifice on fire, the people will know that's the one true God. 
Everyone agrees. And the first picture you see here is the prophets of Baal, and they're dancing around trying to call upon Baal. And Elijah's mocking them. He's saying, well, maybe Baal is busy right now. Maybe he's in the bathroom, right? Maybe he's on vacation. All this stuff, guess what? They hoop and holler all day long. And guess what, right? The prophet of Baal, you know, doesn't do anything. Or excuse me, the, you know, the god Baal um, doesn't do anything. So Elijah gets his shake at this, right? Builds this altar out of stone, right? There is a sacrifice, there's wood. And then what does he do? Because he's going to have a fire, well, they throw water on it, not just once, not just twice, but they douse this thing with water three times. It's all sopping wet. It's in the trench, you name it. Elijah makes this prayer to the one true God, and I'm flipping ahead, and uh, it lights on fire. And in that, it's maybe kind of a wild story, but in it, the people of Israel knew, wow, we maybe went off on our own, but this is the God that we can put our hope, our trust, our faith in. So I tell you, all these different stories are in their heads. They know something big's going to happen. And sure enough, they get to the mountaintop, right? And Jesus is transfigured before them. And it is mysterious and it is wild. And there he is, in this, shining in this white like no human could ever possibly create, right? The divine presence is there. And there is also Moses. And there is Elijah. And they are there. In the presence of this all, and there's a saying, when you don't know what to do, you do what you know. And in the Old Testament stories, when the presence of God was there, they had, sometimes would build a tabernacle or a tent. And maybe that's part of what Peter's thinking. Let's build a tent, one for you, Jesus, one for Elijah, one for Moses. Or maybe just flat out wanted to stay there in this glorious, awesome moment. You ever have moments in life that you just wish would go on and on? And maybe for you and for, for me, it's not that we, you know, encounter Elijah or Moses. But those moments where the light of Christ shines, and it can be lots of different things. Um, I think of, um, I have three kids, and I was lucky enough to be at the birth of each one of them. And as you know, I can, I can talk a lot. But when each of my kids was born, I couldn't say a mumbling word. It was just so awesome, right? You see your kid being born, right? And those moments where you first get to hold them, in those moments where, you know, they connect with you, right? The first time they smile at you, it might be gas, but I don't care, right? Like, all those moments, you know what I'm getting at? Where it's like the light of Christ shines. Like, how does it get better than that? And maybe that's not your story, but maybe it's different things. I think of those moments where I love it in our community and beyond, where maybe it's through adverse times, challenging times, what have you, when folks come together. Right? And they're all in for each other. They're all in for whoever needs it. And they're thinking, wow, that's where the light of Christ, again, shines so brightly. Or I think in our journeys, there's several moments where um, often we can feel pretty lonely, even in a crowd of lots of people. We can feel like we're not understood. But how awesome is it when you found your people? Right? We all have our warts. We all have our chinks in our armor. Isn't it cool when there's somebody who they fully know who you are? right? And they don't go running for the hills. They get you and they appreciate you. Man, that's gospel. That's the light of Christ shining. And you can go on and on. Maybe it's, you know, when you meet that person that maybe it's a friendship, maybe it's a partner that you want to spend the rest of your life with, right? Or those words, I love you, are spoken. All those places and more, right? The light of Christ shines and how awesome it is. And yeah, I wish we could just often stay in those moments. 
But just like in this story, there's the moment all of a sudden the dazzling, shining light is gone. Elijah and Moses are gone. And as they're overcome by the shadow, we're told that Peter says he did not know what to say for they were so frightened. Man. Do you have moments like that? You don't know what to say and don't know what to do? Moments where you wonder, is the light of Christ around at all? The summer after I graduated uh, from high school, uh, Garrett, a good friend of mine, um, got word that his dad was riding his bike home uh, from town, and we don't know exactly what happened if while he was on the shoulder, if two cars met at the same time or what. Um, but from what we understood, uh, him on his bike tumbled over this embankment, and Garrett's dad lost his life. And we spent some time together. And one of the moments that I remember is I was going to the visitation. And if you can picture visitations in a circumstance like that in small town, right? Um, understandably, everybody comes out. And I remember it was raining that night, but still there was a three-hour line basically to get into the funeral home. I'm thinking, well, the good thing is, boy, I've got some time to think about what I can, what I can you know, how, what I'm going to do when I get there with Garrett, what I'm going to say. And you know where the story is going. I could have been there for 30 hours. I didn't have the words. And when I get there, and Garrett and I just throw our arms around each other and both at the same time say, I don't know what to say. In some of those moments, in tragic loss and death, where we might say, the light of Christ ever exists, where is it now? Where we think of those moments and maybe this sounds small, but that little child that you held that smiled at you, there come some moments in time where they look at you with a whole different look, and it's disgust, and it's disdain, right? And maybe those are just for moments, right? But there's also moments sometimes in friendships and relationships, this one that you thought you'd always be friends, or there would always be this relationship where sometimes they say, this just isn't working out. And that heart that used to skip a beat now is broken. And in those moments you wonder, <laughs> where is the light of Christ? Or I think those moments as we look around and how inhumane we can be to each other as people, and it feels like the world's on fire, you wonder, did that light of Christ exist at all? Maybe you know those kind of Good Friday moments. I think of uh, a number of years ago, and I've told many of the story, um, I was really fortunate. I had a, a wonderful mom. Um, maybe one, mom and dad, the most influential people in my faith life. And um, mom, the, when she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer, I remember praying, um, praying for healing and praying that I'd see the glory of God. And does this prayer make sense? Is like sometimes when I'd pray for something, because she'd been through cancer two other times before that, sometimes you pray for something and you're in crisis mode. <laughs> And then the crisis is resolved and you kind of forget about the prayer and you kind of forget about how you're reaching out for help. So I said, God, help me to see your glory. Help me for, what you, to, for this not to be lost on me. And that's a different sermon with lots of wonderful ways that I saw the glory of God in that, in that journey. But my mom didn't have the earthly healing that we'd prayed for. And I think of that in stories throughout the sanctuary and beyond and at home, right? Those different times where it wasn't a lack of prayer, right? We're hoping for something to turn out better. We're hoping for a loved one to, to get better, whatever it might be. And things don't work out how we hoped. And in those moments, we wonder, where is that light of Christ? And as much as I love this transfiguration story, it is a, a good story. 
But it doesn't speak to those moments when you're overcome with grief. It doesn't speak to those moments when all the world falls apart. Right? We need something more. We need a story that's bigger than just that dazzling light. And here, as we talk about going through those moments and tough times and you name it, God speaks and says, this is my son, my beloved. Listen to him. Listen to this one who says being part of the Messiah means going through suffering and loss. It's more than just the glitter and the the dazzling up on the hill. And they look around, there's no more dazzling lights. There's no more Elijah and Moses. And Jesus, who they're called to listen to, begins walking down the hill and they go with him. I think in the story, we need one who can be with us through those difficult times. And the awesome news in this Jesus, he continues to teach and heal and do these things. But bigger than that, he goes to Jerusalem. And there in Jerusalem, he's going to go to another mountain, the mount called Golgotha. And he willingly brings his crossbar up there. And though he keeps loving and serving and calling us to live as a different kind of people, he's killed. But what does that Messiah do? He gets what it's like to go through suffering. He gets what it's like to feel abandoned. This is the one that we need. This is the one who gets what it's like for you when you aren't in a chapter of life that you used to know. And you're not yet in the chapter of life that you feel comfortable with. He promises to be with us in those Good Friday moments. He gives us life on that cross. He's with us in the darkest valleys. He's with us when we're overcome with grief. And how awesome is that? This is the one who looks at you and says, I promise to be with you always to the end of the age. The one who promises to be with us through your worst moments. Yeah, we need something more than transfiguration. And the awesome news is Jesus gives us something more. In his life, in his death, in his resurrection, in his faithfulness to be with you, even when it doesn't feel like it, guess what? He gives us something more. He gives his life to you in this world. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about Farmington Lutheran Church, its ministries, and how to connect to this part of the body of Christ by going to FarmingtonLutheran.com. Peace be with you.